The Tar Heels were this close to forcing a Game 3 in the Chapel Hill Super Regional. But having to overcome both Arkansas and Mother Nature was just too much. And by the way, who hit all of Carolina's bats? Where did they go? We're going to talk about it on today's episode of Locked on Tar Heels. You are Locked on Tar Heels, your daily podcast on the UNC Tar Heels. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey there, it is Monday, June 13th, 2022. Welcome into the Locked on Tar Heels podcast. I'm your host, Isaac Shade, and I want to thank you for making Locked on Tar Heels your first listen or your first watch every single day. Don't forget that we are free and available anywhere you get podcasts, so please subscribe. If you're watching on YouTube, go ahead and smash the like button and leave a comment with your favorite memories from this year's baseball season. Today's episode is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online, where the game starts. Well, since this is our first show since the Super Regional, we got to unpack the whole thing. So here's how I'm going to structure today's show. I want to start by just looking at the two games against Arkansas in in total, and then we're going to go in reverse order. Sunday's game was just such a good baseball game. I want to hit that, and then we'll end by talking about game one on Saturday. So let's just look at the Super Regional as a whole. Man, again, this to me was just such a neat matchup. I love getting ACC versus SEC, uh, the two most storied uh, conferences in college baseball. These are two of the most known entities and, and storied um, college baseball programs, neither of which has won a national championship. In fact, um, they are two of the top five in terms of schools that the number of times they've made the College World Series without ever winning it in terms uh, of nationally. And so it's just kind of crazy. And to, to be that renowned as, as college baseball programs, and yet um, they've only actually played once before, they met in 1989 in the College World Series. Um, and an interesting thing that is more about... Sunday's game two, then Saturday's game one. But on Saturday night, you probably are aware that Matt Corvath had emergency appendectomy surgery and so uh, missed Sunday's game two. Um, and just baseball aside, thoughts go out to you because, um, to you, Mac, because there, there is no routine surgery, even though appendectomies are something that, that happen with some level of regularity. Um, just it is surgery and you have to recover from it. And so I would imagine that was affecting him in game one as well on Saturday. And so, um, man, Mac Horvath, heal quickly and uh, best of luck to you in your recovery. I love that the Tar Heels had his jersey hanging up in the dugout during Sunday's game. Now, hand up, cold takes exposed. I was way off on my predictions of how this series would play out. Not only um, in terms of Carolina winning in three games, which they came oh so close to forcing a game three, but I said this was going to be an offensive slugfest. And my friends, this series was anything but that, which I love, right? Because so often college baseball is that it's just about the aluminum bats overpowering pitching staffs and college level defenses. 
Um, but this was just good baseball with with a lot of small ball from both teams. We had <laughs> sacrifice bunts, which I don't even know if Major League Baseball players know how to do anymore, especially with both leagues having the DH now. But both coaches calling sacrifice bunts in the games. And so, man, um, to that point, while I was way off, I was pleased that this turned into more of an actual baseball game with pitchers making, excuse me, a baseball series with pitchers making pitches, defenses making great plays, and, and some timely hitting um, as needed. Um, unfortunately, not enough for Carolina. And to that point, I want to look at Carolina's offensive struggles as a whole. Um, first, credit to Arkansas, their pitching staff, their defense. They did a great job holding the Tar Heels down. Um Look at this with me. Carolina in the regional last weekend. Now, granted, this was five games in the regional instead of two games in in the Super Regional, but they hit 14 home runs in the regional round. Now, that's five games, but still, um, you you spread that out. That's more than two home runs a game for the Tar Heels. And in fact, it's just shot one home run shy of three home runs a game. Come. Contrast that with the Super Regional in which the Tar Heels just hit one home run. That's Vance Honeycutts in game one. Carolina's one run in that game. And it wasn't just the home runs. It was the runs in general. In the regional round, the Tar Heels in their five games scored 15, 3, 6, 19, and 7. That uh, averages out to exactly 10 runs a game in the regional. And uh, Carolina in the Super Regional, well, they had just Honeycutt's home run in Game 1 and then just three in Game 2. So they totaled four runs in the two Super Regional games for an average of two runs per game. That's a far cry from the 10 that they scored in the Regional. And as part of that as well, they didn't score until the seventh inning of Game 2. They were scoreless for the first six. And so that means um, that... In the first 16 innings of the Super Regional, all nine innings of Game 1 and the first, um, uh, excuse me, um, six innings there of Game 2, that means they were held scoreless for the first 15 innings of uh, this series. Yikes. That's crazy. Um, and so that's just, that's not going to get the job done for what Carolina uh, was bringing to the table. Except, let's look at the flip side of that. It's not like Arkansas was doing much offensively either. I think maybe it feels that way um, because they had that one big inning in game one where they scored three runs. But listen, Arkansas only scored four runs a game. Uh, four in each game. Exactly uh, eight total for an exact average of four per game. And so if you told me coming into this series that the Tar Heels were going to hold Arkansas to four runs a game, I would have been like, great. Here we go. Let's get our bags packed for Omaha. Carolina's definitely scoring more than that. And look at the regional round for Arkansas, similar to Carolina, but they were even better. They scored, they only had four games, but they scored 7, 20, 10, and 7. That's an average of exactly 11 runs per game for Arkansas. Crazy impressive. But just like Carolina's offense, Arkansas was held down as well. And so, again, I looked at these two off uh, lineups on paper, and I thought, boy, they're going to beat up on these pitchers. But kudos um, to, to both pitching stabs and both defenses for a job well done. And that, to me, makes for better baseball. Now, that might be because I grew up uh, – 
as a child of the '90s, watching the the Braves uh, pitching staff of Greg Maddox, Tom Glavin, and John Smoltz just annihilating offenses. Um, but but I love a good pitchers matchup, and that's what these were. And so uh, ultimately, then what it boils down to for me is the biggest storyline of the weekend in terms of Carolina's uh, not advancing was their missed opportunities or their lack of opportunities, which they were unable to create or unable to cash in on. And so that's, to me, where everything falls apart. Now, here's the good news. The the Tar Heels are in, in good company, or maybe I should say bad company. They are not the only national seed to not make it to Omaha. If you're unaware of, of how the, the rankings go um, for this, the NCAA hands out 16 national seeds, and those are your 16 regional hosts. And they create the bracket so as if all the chalk held, the, the top national seed, which was Tennessee, would host 16 in the Super Regional, two versus 15 and on and on like that until you get to eight and nine, which was ECU and Texas. And then that means that if the chalk holds, that the eight teams advancing to Omaha for the College World Series should be the top eight national seeds. Not so. Check this out. Here's your top eight national seeds and what they have done or are doing as of when I'm recording this. Number one national seed, Tennessee. Overwhelming favorite to run away with the national championship. Gets knocked out in the Super Regional by Notre Dame, not a seeded team. Number two, Stanford. They almost lost in the regional round to Texas State. Yikes. Um, They lost game one to UConn. They are winning game two as I record this, and so they will have a game three on Monday today. Um, Oregon State also lost game one. They are just starting, as I record this, against Auburn for game two. Virginia Tech, the fourth seed, lost their series to unseeded Oklahoma. Texas A&M, as of right now, is the only seeded team to be in the College World Series. They won theirs. Miami, the sixth seed, lost in the regional. Seventh seed, um, Oklahoma State, lost in their regional. And ECU is in game three versus Texas. They've been in a rain delay all of Sunday, but the Longhorns right now lead four to nothing, and that game's just about to get underway again as I'm recording. So, in terms of teams that have already punched their tickets to Omaha, there are five as of the time I'm recording this. Again, Texas A&M is the only top eight national seed to be in the College World Series right now. The other four that are already in are Oklahoma, not a national seed, Notre Dame, not a national seed, and Arkansas, not a national seed, and Ole Miss, not a national seed. We're still waiting on Texas versus East Carolina, which they're both national seeds, so there will be one, and Auburn versus Oregon State. They're both national seeds, so they'll get one. But then also UConn and Stanford. And so if UConn pulls pulls off that upset, that means five of the eight teams in the College World Series will not be from those top 16, which is pretty bonkers. Now, what it also means is there is a possibility that... Um, even though we're guaranteed at least three seeded teams, there's a possibility that we will only have one of the top eight national seeds, and that's Texas A&M, who's already in. But one, four, six, and seven are already out. 
and there's a chance that number two Stanford could go down, there's a chance that number three Oregon State could go down, and there's a chance that number eight East Carolina could go down. That, friends, is the beauty of baseball and why this is such a fun sport. And as an aside, um, you might have seen I, I tweeted this on Sunday. The, the super regional format started in 1999. To this day, the only number one overall national seed that won the national championship was that year, that first year of the Super Regionals, which was Miami. Literally every year since then, the number one overall seed has not won the national championship. In fact, with Tennessee going down on Sunday, the number one overall seed hasn't even made it to the College World Series in the past three years. Pretty crazy stuff. Well, Carolina thought they might be on the doorstep of getting a third game with a shot at getting to the College World Series themselves, but it was not meant to be. But had they forced game three, there would have been an unlikely and unexpected hero who did it. Who was it? Oh, we're going to talk about that in just a moment. But first, let me tell you about Bet Online. Our partners at Bet Online continue to be the number one source for all your betting needs and sports info. Find all the latest odds, news, and sports developments, including the NBA Finals going on right now, MLB scores, fights, and even uh, the upcoming NFL futures. BetOnline is your continued source for all your sports wagering info, from live betting to playoffs, esports, and more. So head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about all the trends in action. BetOnline, where the game starts. So, uh, man, Sunday, Ugh. this was such a gut-wrenching baseball game. So many great twists and turns, uh, a pitcher's duel for a lot of the game, and um, Carolina just had this shot right at the end. They, they came back to tie the game with some, some just good fundamental baseball pushing a run across and then took a lead in the ninth, but it was just not meant to be. And so uh, if you watch me during basketball season, you'd like to know when I do a game review, I do um, a four corners review in honor of Coach Dean Smith, where I just make four big points about the game. And that's what we're going to do to unpack this baseball game, but it's going to be four points for the four bases. And the first one is what I've already alluded to, our almost hero, Mr. Patrick Alvarez. So let me set the scene for you. Carolina has come back to tie the game with um, just some great baseball, um, a, a sack bunt to get runners to second and third, a um, almost single up the middle to score both both runners from second and third, but uh, Arkansas made the play at first, scored a run, got the runner to third, and then a wild pitch tied the game. And so we're tied two to two going into the top of the ninth. Remember, Carolina was the visiting team for game two. And so... Um, for, for the ninth inning, Fritz, uh, excuse me, Frick, our catcher, leads off with a double. Great at bat, worked, uh, worked uh, the count full up to three and two, and then just sat on this inside fastball, turned on it, sent it down the left field line, and got a double out of it. And then here comes Castagnazzi, who again is filling in for Horvath, and he had been the one to lay down that sack bunt when Carolina scored earlier in the game, and so I thought Coach Forbes was going to have him do it again. He didn't, and Castagnazzi strikes out, and I was like, come on, man, why are we not sac sacrificing there when it's already been successful earlier in the game? But that's why Coach Forbes is in the dugout, and I'm sitting here talking with all of us. And then, I, I love it because 
the first almost hero, Joe Jakonski, comes up uh, first at bat of the Super Regional, uh, gets a sack fly to right field. Frick is able to tag up and scamper over to third. Two outs runner on third, and here he comes, this man, Patrick Alvarez, first at bat of the Super Regional. Let me just give you the context to set up how cool this is. Coming into this at bat, he's hitting 121 for the season, well below the Mendoza line. He hasn't had an RBI since February 20th, March, April, May, June. That's just shy of four months since his last RBI. And so clearly, you know, of course, then he's going to come in and be the hero, which he does. Gets a single to center field, gives Carolina the lead in the ninth inning. All they got to do is get three outs and force a game three. In fact, his single was the first hit all day for the Tar Heels with runners in scoring position. And this is why baseball is awesome. Like, people can come out of nowhere and get a clutch hit and, and do things like that. And so, man, Patrick Alvarez, good for you. Hopefully that spurs on some great things for next season. And so, love that. Point number one, unlikely almost hero Patrick Alvarez. Great job. Great at bat there to get the Tar Heels the lead. Point number two, second base. Weather, or the lack thereof, played a role in this game, a huge role in this game. Started at one o'clock Eastern time, but had two separate lightning delays. There was no actual rain. Uh, the skies were, were beautiful. Um, but the, the first of these delays, because basically anytime you see more lightning, the, the clock restarts before you can get back into the game going. And so this first delay was an hour, 46 minutes. And then the second delay was shorter, but still over an hour, an hour and eight minutes. And in both of those situations, both times there was this delay, the Tar Heels had momentum, all sorts of momentum going in their favor. And, um, Stifled some of that, although the second one, Carolina was still able to come back and build uh, a lead there in the ninth. But I, th I think the biggest issue is that because this turned this game into, you know, they're, they're out there on the field or, you know, yeah, for, for six or more hours, these two teams. And for Carolina, I think it hurt significantly their home field advantage. Why? Well, the Arkansas fans that are in attendance, where else are they going to go? They're literally in Chapel Hill for this baseball series. It's not like they're going to drive home or they had an appointment or a family dinner that night that they had to get back for. Whereas Tar Heels fans, maybe they figure, hey, this game's going to be done by 4 o'clock. We got a 5 o'clock or 6 o'clock dinner reservation. We'll go to that. Or, you know, just those kind of things. Uh, you feel like, sure, I can make an appointment for 6 or 7 that night. And so they don't come back. But Arkansas, of course, is there. And so... I think the the biggest thing that happened is that these two uh, non-weather delays really hurt Carolina's home field advantage and just the, the role that that 10th man plays in a baseball game. So that's point number two. Uh, third base, the defense for Carolina came up big, defense and pitching. So Arkansas builds a lead, and um, in comes our man Palermo, uh, to shut the door. And so he comes in in the sixth inning for the first time, 11 pitches, and he's out of there. Three up, three down. That's what you need from a reliever coming in, shutting the door, getting that hold. But then in the seventh, um, the game, Carolina had just tied the game at two in the top of the inning. And this is where we start to get our web gems. Um, 
Arkansas has a runner on second, two outs, and there is a uh, the what looks like a guaranteed single to me. Off the bat, I was like, ah, crap. Arkansas just got the lead back. But in comes our man, Vance Honeycutt, streaking forward. And, and this, this is one of the hardest catches for a center fielder to make, either something straight forward or straight back. It's so hard um, to make these plays. But comes barreling in and just makes this all-out diving straight forward play to rob this single, make the third out, and preserve the tie at 2-2. Uh, I love it. He makes the catch, and then he just slams his, off his throwing hand on the, on the grass because he's so excited. What a great play from Vance Honeycutt there to end the inning and send the Tar Heels back to the plate um, with the game still tied. And then uh, we get into our second weather delay, but then the bottom of the eighth comes, and... Once again, Arkansas is threatening. This time there's just one out. Uh, I believe it was runners on first and second again. And there's a shot hit right up the middle. Um, Palermo kind of dodges it, and it skips off the mound. I thought it was going to be one of those that then takes a weird, wonky uh, bump and then ricochets off into left or right field or something. But it keeps going, and I was like, crap, that's going to get through. And Arkansas again, I was like, they're going to score the go-ahead run. It's going to be 3-2, and Carolina's going to go to the ninth inning, and they got to score it's over. But here comes Danny Soretti sliding in right behind second base, um, is able to snare the ball. Because Carolina is in a defensive shift, um, he has to run to the bag, um, but gets there uh, just ahead of the runner sliding in, grabs it, launches himself in the air, to, throws it to first base, double play. What an amazing, amazing play to preserve, again, the tie. And so th- these 6th, 7th, and 8th innings, just great, great fun baseball with Palermo... 11 pitch, three up, three down inning in the sixth. Honeycutt's diving play in the seventh. And then Soretti's uh, 6 3 double play there in the eighth. Great. Just lo- if you love defensive baseball, that was a lot of fun. And then, as you know, Carolina comes up in the ninth, gets the lead back uh, with Alvarez and, and his heroics. And then we go to the bottom of the ninth. And I'm, I'm really hoping uh, at this point, Palermo has done his job. Um, Kept Arkansas off the board the 6th, the 7th, and the 8th, but he hasn't gone four innings all season. Plus, when you add in the weather delay in between um, him throwing the 7th and 8th innings, I just thought, ah, it's. I, I know he's your most reliable and dependable guy right now, but Coach Forbes just has to pull him. Got to bring somebody else in um, to, to close this thing out. Uh, it's... I know people make different decisions in playoffs. We see that in college and in the majors with their relievers down the stretch. You know, a, a, a coach calling on a closer to go two innings instead of one. But asking these relievers to do things they don't do all season often comes back to backfire. Um, we, we've seen it at the highest level in MLB, and of course we're going to see it in college too. And I just, listen, again, Scott Forbes is, is the man and the coach – but if I'm going to quibble, this is probably the one thing is like, ah, I just, I know Palermo's done his job, but you just got to go to somebody else there. Um, even, even if you take your game three starter and bring him in, right? Like you, you don't get that game three unless you finish off game two. And so, um, 
not that Arkansas got any hard hits off of them. It was all dinks and dunk kind of stuff. Um, and, ah, man, just, it just didn't work. It didn't happen. Um, and so here we are same, I, I felt, I feel almost so similarly to how do we, how I felt after the national championship basketball game, where it's like, man, this great team made this great run. And now here we are. So, um, unfortunate. And, and then the, the defensive alignments down the stretch there on, on the play where Arkansas tied the game back up the infield, I thought at that point should have been cause, cause there weren't outs yet. They shouldn't have been at double play depth, but they were, the corners were in. Um, but I thought the whole infield should have been in to cut off the run at home um, at least, and then you can go double play depth. But then on on the play where on the walk-off play, Carolina was back at that point in, and I thought at that point, that's when you should be at double play depth because now we've got an out and a double play gets us out of the inning and gets us to the 10th. But it, was, it just wasn't meant to be. It wasn't meant to be, and um, ah, man, they couldn't do it. They were so close, so close to forcing game three but it didn't happen. Well, game one didn't have as much hope as game did uh, as game two did, but it was still a really interesting game with some twists and turns. I think Carolina missed a massive opportunity and how a body part got in the way of that. What happened? What was it? We'll talk about it in just a second. Let me tell you about the Ultimate NBA Mock Draft, which starts June 16th. That is this Thursday. Over 50 insiders uh, coming at you, and so nothing equals the ultimate NBA mock draft. The Locked On NBA Big Board Draft experts plus the Odyssey insiders are coming together to bring this to you. First pick is June 16th, so search ultimate NBA mock draft and follow now so you don't miss a single pick. All right, getting back to game one and our four bases for that. These are going to be a little bit shorter just because there just wasn't as much doing in game one, and that's honestly going to be one uh, one of my four bases here as we talk about it. But here's where we have to start is at the beginning. The whole series, not just game one, the entire weekend to me shifted in the first inning of this game, and here's why. We, we get up there, Arkansas goes down, boom, 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 one, two, three, in the first inning. Great start. Things are feeling good. It's like, all right, we, we can maybe hold this potent offense down. And then Carolina gets out there against um, Arkansas starter Connor Noland, and they load the bases with one out. And it's like, all right, here we go. Bases loaded, one out. You know, maybe we, we don't put a crooked number up on the board, but let's at least get one here, get something on the board, and get rolling. Well, Osuna strikes out, and it's like, ah, that's that's the critical at bat of the inning, right? He's got to do his job so to get the run in, but he doesn't make contact. And then Mikey Madej comes up. Two outs, still bases loaded, and anything can happen there. And Madej's been um, hot and uh, had a three-run homer in the regional. Um, it was either in the in the final game or the next-to-last game. I can't remember which one it was now. I'm like, all right, Madej, let's do work. And he hits this shot. I was like, that's that's. Going through the hole, right past second base, that's going to score two, and we're on the board. But it hits the pitcher, and often when a line drive hits a pitcher, it ricochets like back across the foul line or maybe out towards one of the other infielders, but it's just too late, especially with somebody like Mede scampering um, out there that he's able to leg it out or something, but it just didn't ricochet very far off of Nolan. And he was able to throw out Madej at first base, and Arkansas gets out of the inning. And to me, 
Um, I'm wondering how different is this game if that doesn't happen? What if that hit gets through and Carolina scores two? And what you know, who knows what can happen after that? A home run, it's five to nothing, whatever. But it didn't happen. And then we go to the second. Arkansas, you know, that is a huge momentum swing when you're able to make a play like that and then get out of it and, and get moving. And so, to me, that affected not just game one, but then it, it felt like it, it rolled over into game two because all of game one, God, Carolina's bats, we, we've already talked about them. It just, they were just tight or something. I don't know. Man, Ugh, crazy. And then uh, let's go to second base. We already talked about Connor Noland and uh, Arkansas's pitcher. You know what? Hats off. Um, he did, a, and not that Max Carlson didn't do a good job. It's just Noland outdueled him on Saturday. Here's the thing for me with Noland: two big, two big things with what Noland did. I think the in the same way that often when batters are um, not settled in, they just go up swinging and they're not themselves with pitchers early in a game it just takes a while to settle in and then and then once they're in and going they're good um getting out of that first inning clearly settled him in calmed him down and then he was himself and just rolled throughout the game there was no stopping him part of that was this um here's what he was doing. Carolina clearly came in with this attacking game plan. Hey, we're going to, no one's going to throw us fastballs. We're going to jump on those early in at bats, get on them and get going. You saw that's what the, the Tar Heel hitters were doing early in the game. But Noland was very quick to adjust and to start throwing, um, working batters backwards, meaning usually a pitcher is going to throw fastball first and then off speed as an out pitch. And so when we talk about pitching backwards, that means we're going to start with off speed stuff, curveballs, change up, splitters, whatever. And now that a batter's expecting a fastball, or excuse me, expecting the off speed, we're going to now give you the fastball and you're, you're looking off speed. And so you're not ready for that fastball and you're frozen. And so that's how he started pitching the Tar Heels. And it worked. Clearly, it worked. And he had them off stride. Osuna struck out, and then Carolina was off kilter the rest of the game. Um, here, here's the biggest number fr from what Nolan did. First pitcher all season, uh, uh, one pitcher, to throw six innings of shutout baseball against the Tar Heels. No single pitcher had held the Tar Heels scoreless all season long until Connor Nolan on Saturday. Wow. Wow, wow, wow. That's a great job. You got to tip your hat, but you got to do better too. <laughs> Third base, here we go. Carolina's lack of offense. We've already talked about um, how they did, but let, let's dive into a little bit of the nitty gritty of it. I talked just a second ago about Noland making adjustments. I don't think the Carolina batters were able to do that. I think they were so locked in to this game plan of attack, 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 that now that they start seeing off speed earlier in the count, they're they're just off. I don't I don't know if it was a mental thing or, or a tight thing again, um, but but hear this. I, I didn't realize this until I was prepping for the show today. I, somehow I didn't catch it on Saturday. That first inning, Carolina loads the bases, um, brings a multitude of batters to the plate. After the first inning, Carolina, the rest of Game One, never brought more than four batters to the plate. 
second inning, four batters, third inning, four batters, fourth inning, three up, three down, fifth inning, three up, three down, sixth inning, four batters, seventh inning, four batters, eighth inning. That's when Honeycutt hit his home run, but three other outs, four batters, and then the ninth inning, four batters. That means outside of that first inning where Carolina loaded the bases, the entire other eight innings of the day, Carolina was either three up, three down, or four up, three down. That's not winning baseball. And and I know, again, Arkansas was pitching great. They got a great bullpen just like the Tar Heels do. But, man, you, you got to go up there and, and have a plan um, to, to do that better. It just didn't happen. And that that is the fourth point, home plate, is Carolina's inability to adjust um, to what they were seeing. Uh, we've already talked about it, and so we'll just leave it there. Let's not belabor the point. But that, but that to me, was uh, the probably the, the biggest one there at the end, is Carolina just didn't adjust. And so um, here's the thing, though. It's not, you know, it is a somber note to end the season on getting swept in the Super Regional. But think of everything Carolina accomplished this year. Think about the fact that the, Vance Honeycutt is going to be a Tar Heel for two more years. You know, you've got all these special things. Um, this Coach Forbes did this in his second year. Uh, there, there are bright days ahead for Carolina baseball, the Diamond Heels. But today, Monday, is a sad day. We wish we were getting a game three to root for tonight, but it was not meant to be. Congrats to the Razorbacks. And uh, begrudgingly, good luck in Omaha in the College World Series. Well, friends, that's it for today's episode of Locked on Tar Heels, the first uh, show of the week. Coming up this week, Pat Kilby and I are going to be talking about Will Shaver. Got an interview with Alex Bresci from Men's Lacrosse Team. All sorts of good stuff. It's going to be a great week. Thanks so much for making Locked on Tar Heels your first listen or your first watch every single day. Please go subscribe to the show wherever it is that you get podcasts. Smash the like button. Leave a comment once again about your favorite memories from this baseball season. You can follow the show on Twitter at Locked on Heels. You can follow me on Twitter at Isaac Shade. I-S-A-A-C-S-C-H-A-D-E. And now, make your second listen of the day, Locked On NBA Big Board Podcast. Rafael Barlow and the whole crew give you an in-depth look into the biggest prospects, the latest player rankings, mock drafts, and of course, big boards. So follow Locked On NBA Big Board Show wherever it is that you get podcasts. Ah, folks, I know it's a, it's a sad day again, but thank you so much for spending part of your Monday hanging out with me, talking Carolina baseball and uh, the, the fun but disappointing weekend that they had. And remember, even in the midst of the sadness, it's always a great day to be a Tar Heel. Until tomorrow, peace! <laughs>